broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Capital Club Radio, brought to you by Flock Specialty Finance. Good afternoon. This is Michael Flock, uh, Chairman and CEO of Flock Specialty Finance. Delighted to be here this afternoon with Ken Shilson. Ken is the icon of the subprime auto finance industry. He's got a very interesting, colorful, and successful story for us this afternoon. Uh, Ken is, is well known for being the founder of NABD, which is the National Alliance of Buy Here, Pay Here Dealers, the largest trade association in the used car dealer space, uh, 10,000 members. He's also a CPA and as such a president of the subprime analytics and profit max consulting companies. They provide subprime portfolio analysis services and custom credit scoring solutions. Um, Subprime has state-of-the-art data mining and extraction technology, which identifies lost trends and areas for underwriting improvement. ProfitMax, the other company that Ken is president of, integrates with Subprime Analytics to provide a web-based custom credit scoring solution. Ken provides due diligence services also for banks and financial institutions that provide capital to the subprime auto industry. He's also helped pioneer uh, an IRS-approved tax strategy for buy-here-pay-here dealers regarding the use of a related finance company. He's authored many articles on accounting, tax, and other matters related to this industry. And he's also a speaker at numerous uh, national automotive uh, uh, conferences and conventions. So we're really honored and thrilled to get Ken here. It took us about a year to get his schedule uh, you know, in sync with ours. He's in quite demand in this industry, and, and I'm just so honored that he made time to see us this afternoon uh, Ken, let's just start about how you got into this space. I mean, not many of us, when we go to school, I dare say, think about, I'm going to grow up and be a used car dealer. Um, you know, how did you, how did you go from accounting to used cars? I mean, what was the evolution? How did this all happen? Sure. Well, first of all, Michael, pleasure to be with you here today. And uh, thanks for the great introduction. You, you didn't mention my golf game, so you must have seen me play, I guess. So. Well, no, but you're a scratch <laughs> golfer, so, you know, oh, no, I'm just... a rookie. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, uh, when I started my CPA firm uh, in, in the early 80s, um, I wanted to find a niche market to serve. And I found that within the uh, different marketplaces that uh, the auto finance business is one of the largest industries out there. And when I did some research, it seemed like everyone in my profession was gravitating to the new car franchise business. They all wanted to serve franchise new car dealers. Nobody wanted to take the used car space. So I, I wanted to be a contrarian because I thought it'd be easier to build my practice. And that turned out to be exactly right. Uh, serving the used car industry was, was really underserved at that time. And it gave me an opportunity to build a niche market there for my CPA practice. So it's underserved. And I also think it probably was very fragmented. Is that right? It really was. It, it, when I, when I first started to, to focus on subprime auto finance, I found that there was a huge disconnect in the market. The, the, the capital providers, seemed to be skeptical of whether it was a good business to lend to. The operators in the business didn't really understand 
how to partner with a capital provider. So really through the years, I've been able to help bring those two together. I'd be, I'd be able to bring um, Wall Street and, and the capital markets to Main Street, so to speak. So uh, I'm glad that we finally found a partnership there. And today, uh, capital is really flowing into this marketplace. Well, right. Right. And that's exactly how we met you, I think, because exactly. we're capital providers and we like large, uh, fragmented, underserved or even ill-served markets. And for our listeners' benefit, that's how we met Ken, because we are interested in partnering with Ken. We are partnering with Ken, both in the charged off financing market as well as the uh, originations of subprime uh, loans. So that's exactly how, how, how we met with you. Um, What's your vision going forward for these companies that you, you manage, um, both uh, not just NABD, but also subprime and, and profit max? Well, I think that, that first of all, the, the, the subprime, well, the auto finance business has just reached over a trillion dollars in outstanding. So it's a huge marketplace. And we estimate that the subprime deep subprime buy here, pay here space is about a hundred billion dollars outstanding. So it's, it's a large market and a large opportunity. Right now, because of the last two years, it's become very competitive, but I'm starting to see some of the competition ease up. And I think there's a great opportunity going forward for the independent dealer to get some of the customers back that they've lost to competition and also get the vehicles back uh, that have been involved in some of these big Wall Street securitizations uh, that have taken place in the last couple of years. So I think there's a great opportunity for independent dealers to really thrive in the future. Hmm. But what, what's causing this trend and why, why? Sure. Well, Wall Street, uh, when the subprime mortgage business kind of dried up and, and, and fell apart, began to look for other opportunities to package up asset-backed collateral. And they moved over into the auto finance space because money is so cheap and investors are seeking higher yields than they can get with other types of investments. And the subprime auto finance business, if done right, offers one of the high, highest yielding alternatives that are out there, Michael. So it was a natural for Wall Street to package up these auto bonds, mm -hmm. you know, securitized and collateralized by uh, automobiles or vehicles, and then lay those off to investors who perceive that the the risk and reward uh, justifies investing in it. And certainly that's been the case. Uh, you know, some of these transactions have been $100 million, $150, 200000000 million, and uh, we've seen a huge marketplace for this in 2014 and 2015, and, and to continue. So you're suggesting so that the yields are better for the in, in the independent market? I think that, that uh, what's happened is that uh, a lot of the money flowed into independent finance companies, people who okay. were not in the business but saw an opportunity to invest in the business, okay. uh, but hadn't had a lot of experience in uh, dealing with the deep subprime customer. Okay. And not all the securitizations are, are, are bad. Many of them are mixed in terms of higher credit quality with lower credit quality. What's happened in the lower credit quality space, it takes a lot of experience, it takes a lot of training, it takes a lot of expertise mm -hmm. uh, to make that deep subprime portfolio work. 
And I'm not sure that the securitization market is, has quite focused on the experience and collection uh, expertise that's needed to pull that all off. Okay. And how would you characterize the difference between subprime and deep subprime? Great. Uh, generally speaking, subprime is consumers that have a credit bureau score of 600 or less and deep subprime is 500 or less. So 600 and 501 to 600 would be subprime customers and under 500 would be deep subprime. Deep subprime is often referred to as working with the unbankable consumer because Mm -hmm. they typically Mm -hmm. aren't able to find a traditional loan from a bank or a credit union. Mm -hmm. So they have limited financing opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's where the independent financers uh, have the greatest share. Well, where the end the the two biggest uh, players in that deep subprime market are independent owner operators Mm -hmm. and finance companies, like I was saying earlier, who don't own their own lots, but are providing financing to, uh, to, to, uh, I got it. To top. Who are some examples of that? Uh, well, there, there's several, um, you know, that I can think of, uh, Santander has been one of the mm-hmm. most aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, lenders into the, uh, subprime market, but in the deep subprime, you'll see people like Capital One, mm-hmm. Ally, Mm-hmm. Uh, well, even Wells Fargo has provided capital Wells, huh? you know, to that deep subprime market. Okay. They tend to, Wells tends to gravitate more to loaning to companies who then, like finance companies who then reloan out to uh, independent dealers. So those are three of the bigger ones. Right, right. Now, we all keep hearing about and reading about the big bubble building in auto. And, and we, we've heard that you know, it's not as bad as the bubble in mortgage, you know, several years ago, but it, it's going to be a bubble. And at some point in the next 12 months, it's going to burst. Do you share that view? And if so, why? I don't think it's going to be like the uh, subprime mortgage bubble. Uh, first of all, there's there's a, a several significant differences in the mortgage business. When they securitized uh, mortgage properties, they basically expected the underlying value of the property to appreciate in value as part of the return. Mm-hmm. But in a auto bond securitization, the collateral is projected to depreciate. Mm-hmm. And they've also built in other protections since the subprime uh, mortgage finance securitization business. So there's, there's additional, uh, there's additional reserves and, 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 and other uh, protections built into the Audubon market. So I think where the problem lies is in that deep subprime securitized portfolios where they were overly aggressive in trying to gain market share, Mm -hmm. where they went deeper in the credit spectrum, Mm -hmm. where they just tried to sell more new cars by selling them to, you know, to lower credit score customers or credit unions decided to expand their portfolio. So they were very aggressive. So it's really that deep subprime tranches that are are experiencing the problems. Right. And is that due also to the fact that we've heard that many of them make their money on the markup on the car? Yes, that's that's absolutely right. The the deeper uh, in the deeper subprime space, typically the higher the financing rate mm-hmm. and and usually a there's a higher markup with the vehicle as well. And simply because those customers have had bad 
credit histories and have very limited credit alternatives. So it stands to reason that they'd have to pay a premium because of their poor credit history. Right. And I guess the dilemma may be that they're paying a premium with a higher markup, but on an asset that's depreciating. That, that That's right. That's right. I think another thing that differentiates the independent dealer from the finance company is that a dealer will keep the car running during the life of the contract. In other words, he's providing right. a transportation solution. Mm-hmm. If, there, if the car breaks down, they'll finance the repair or help the customer get the repair done so that the, the vehicle keeps running. Typically, in a securitization market, there's no provision for that mm-hmm. after the warranty wears off. Mm-hmm. In addition, uh, finance companies don't typically like to finance repairs. So the independent operator is really doing mm-hmm. a different type of financing than than what we've seen in the aggressive underwriting in the securitization market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, talk to us a little bit about the three companies that you you president of, Subprime Analytics, ProfitMax, and then NABD. And, and you know, what what's your kind of management philosophy and vision for them? And, sure. and uh, what are the benefits that you bring to the clients in those companies? Well, in, in looking at the subprime auto finance space, success is measured by keeping the vehicle sold and the contract performing over the entire life of the contract. And in order to do that, you have to know how to manage risk. You have to know how to underwrite a customer properly. You have to know how to collect properly. And most importantly, you need a lot of experience and training to do it right. You have to start with the right business model. Okay. It's got to be cash efficient. In other words, like any other investment, you want to maximize your return on whatever money you put in. So that means you've got to start with a reasonable investment that's going to mm-hmm. have an opportunity to return itself over uh, over the term of the contract and keep that contract out there. So uh, I developed subprime analytics so that I could uh, I could monitor and measure performance in these portfolios mm-hmm. and help identify adjustments that have to be made over the life of the contract and help the operator get a cash efficient. Uh, business model to start off with, one that's going to be successful and keep him on track over the term of the loans. And that's proved to be the case. What we've seen is we've worked, and I've done almost $16 billion worth of analysis in subprime analytics. I think I have the largest database in the country on this type of paper. And what we've learned is what works and what doesn't work. Right. So I'm able to share that information with owner operators and with capital providers to do it right and be successful because it is a very capital intensive business at NABD. I realized back in the, in the late uh, 1980s that, uh, that no one was really focusing or serving or training that segment of the Mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. We had other trade groups out there that really weren't differentiating with the needs of the of the deep subprime space. Mm-hmm. So I decided to start NABD where we could not only focus on it, but promote the interests mm-hmm. of the self-finance industry. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, 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 the two organizations. And uh, I think over time, we've built more than 13,000 members in NABD, which shows 
the growth and progress that we've made in subprime analytics, as they say, mm-hmm. over 1.5 million loans am, uh, mm-hmm. have been analyzed with almost $16 billion worth of analysis. A great deal of information there that's very valuable to the industry. And when you talk about the consulting services of subprime analytics, do you also, uh, by definition, just include profit max with that? And what is the, uh, you know, how, how is the integration of those databases enriched uh, the solution that you're providing your customers? Sure. Well, ProfitMax, uh, typically when we do an analysis of a portfolio and we'd find ways that the portfolio could be uh, improved, we identified specific areas of improvement. Operators would want a credit scoring solution to help them implement those changes in their underwriting. So uh, I ended up actually licensing Profit Max from my first customer who developed a web-based solution for it, and it's been very successful. Mm-hmm. It's helped several operators get mm-hmm. on track, and mm-hmm. I think that that what it does do is it provides a great deal of customer information. Okay. We were able to gather information about the customers, whereas Subprime Analytics would focus on the vehicles the deal structure and any other financing products okay. that uh, that are in the in the financing itself, so they complement each gotcha. other very okay. well. And you use the term state of the art data mining. What can you give me some examples of how sure you provide that? Well, I, I think that, that one of the challenges has been that where do you get the data to analyze it, and it's generally stored in the dealer management software systems in about six or seven major software packages that serve the deep subprime and the subprime auto finance industry. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I've developed a data extract with all of those uh, dealer software providers to send me the data in exactly the form that I need. So that means our customers don't have to do anything except just authorize the extraction and we get the data. They don't have to handle it. They don't have to do anything with it. And then we will go in and analyze it and identify any data exceptions before we run the analysis give the customer a chance to correct it. So it makes it a lot easier to use. Absolutely. You don't have to be an IT geek to you, you don't to have this, that's right like you, i am you know? <laughs> yes you don't and you are <laughs> you don't so. have to have an it department to do this all you have to do is authorize your software provider to give us the data extract okay terrific you know another issue that uh faces i know subprime auto finance and it's an issue that we face and also financing subprime or companies that provide subprime credit and also who sell just charged off debt, and that is compliance regulation. Sure. And there's been a lot of also political controversy, I think, in the subprime auto space, particularly as it relates to this issue of, uh, I guess it's different races. I think some people in our government said that uh, some of the, the credit scoring is racist. Uh, and, and is that a hot issue in the auto industry well, there, uh, and, and with subprime auto finance? There's really been two areas of focus so far in the compliance area as related to the subprime auto finance business. One has been discrimination, right. uh, profiling, and, and, uh, and basically uh, excluding certain races from financing opportunities. And, and I think the second of it has been that um, the, there's a concept called disparate impact, which the compliant, the regulators have focused on, meaning that if you're out of step right. with the rest 
of the industry or what others are doing, uh-huh. then you become a target to be singled out okay. uh, and, and be put under the microscope. And so as a capital provider or as a used car dealer? Well, both, or both, both, okay. Okay. both, um, you know, sometimes those, uh, those distinctions are made by complaints from consumers, but other times they just are discovered by simple investigations that are conducted by the, by the regulators. And when they're spotted again, if you're out of step with the rest of the industry, you stand to really be challenged about that. Why are you doing this? Why are you charging premiums? Mm-hmm, Why are you mm-hmm. marking these vehicles up uh, mm-hmm. above what your competition is doing? And there's been some case laws on that in the last couple of years. So then what advice would you give providers in this space uh, that are listening today as well as used car dealers? How do you manage this then? If you're If you're loaning to somebody who's in this space, you need to insist that they have a compliance management system. Okay. It starts with a chief compliance officer to oversee it, but then it goes way beyond that. And the regulators have proposed uh, certain contents of a compliance management system, which is really a series of checks and balances to make sure that a compliance function is in place at every, at, at every dealership. And lastly, if you have a consumer complaint, the regulators are, are looking for an internal solution by that operator or by that capital provider. How are they dealing with consumer complaints? Mm -hmm. Are they solving them fairly and expeditiously? Mm -hmm. If not, why not? Mm -hmm. And they expect them to have policies and procedures to do with dual, uh, to do deal with those types of things. So, Mm -hmm. uh, in summary, a compliance officer, a compliance management system, okay. and a complaint management protocol to okay. deal with or a process. Well, yeah, yeah, a process to deal with these these types of complaints. Okay. Do your companies provide guidance in this area? The, one of the main things that we do at Subprime Analytics is to uh, is to compare a dealer's business model with their peers, so that they can understand if they. Uh, are doing something differently right. than their peers, and if they're going to stand out, if they're charging too high of interest rate, if they're marking the vehicle up too too heavily, uh, if the term is different, if they're being uh, maybe uh, too tight on certain areas or discriminating uh, amongst consumers, we 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 help identify those things so that they can correct them mm-hmm. before they have a regulatory problem, and I think that's extremely important. Also. We're checking the validity of the data so that if there's errors or there's omissions in the data, we mm-hmm. help them catch that mm-hmm. before it becomes a regulatory problem. Gotcha. So those are the main things that subprime analytics can do in the compliance end. Now, NABD, doesn't NABD have some compliance programs or seminars and Absolutely. webinars, I think? Absolutely. Yeah. As, as In our national training conferences, and we typically have two major ones a year, uh, one in May, usually in Las Vegas, always in Las Vegas. And then in the fall, we move it around the East Coast. And we have the top attorneys in the United States come in and update us mm-hmm. on all the regulatory developments. We just had a director of the Federal Trade Commission speak at our last show to talk about what their concerns are about the industry. So we're helping uh, dealers and operators and capital providers understand what the issues are out there mm-hmm. so that they can 
uh, th- they can work through those issues. We make them aware of industry developments. We give them a chance to, uh, uh, to interact with the regulators. The other thing is, is as a, a special interest group, NABD works closely with other trade associations like National Auto Dealers Association, like okay. National Independent Auto Dealers Association, and various state associations yep. to help represent the industry positively in regulatory matters. Mm-hmm. And I think you're also partnering with a group in our industry, the Debt Buyers Association. Is any of this overlapping? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We we uh, have a great deal of respect for the, um, the compliance program that the Debt Buyers Association, the educational programs that the Debt Buyers Association have provided. I know you're very active and Flock is a yeah is a major, uh, major participant in the Debt Buyers Association, really quality organization. And we've just become an educational partner for them, meaning that if you're a debt buyer, mm-hmm. you can come to one of our conferences and get credit mm-hmm. uh, towards, you know, their, their uh, educational requirements and certification uh, by attending one of our events. And we hope to reciprocate uh, by participating in their events as well. Ken, let's shift the discussion a little bit to you and uh, you as an entrepreneur, because many of our listeners are entrepreneurs and they all like to hear success stories and stories about the ups and downs of how businesses are built and grow. And could you share with us a little bit more about kind of your thoughts on what you have learned along the many actually decades that you've been in this industry, uh, managing as the founder of NABD and also subprime analytics? Sure. Well, I think the first thing, as I mentioned earlier, both with NABD and subprime analytics, it's important to find a niche. It's important, important to find a niche that's different and that you can develop and grow in. And, and that's what I did both with NABD and subprime analytics. But I think the second thing comes from both my family background and, and my educational training and, and, and also being a CPA, how very, very important it is to have good financial management in any business that you're doing. You must have good accounting. You must be able to um, estimate the capital needs that mm-hmm. you're going to have and raise that capital mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in order to implement any business plan. Mm-hmm. So you've heard the saying, people don't uh, don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. And, and, right. and part of that planning has to come with looking at the capital and looking at the financial resources and the financial management. And I think that's absolutely essential in the subprime auto finance space because the most the most successful mm-hmm. auto finance operators mm-hmm. have a good financial management function and okay. a good chief financial officer. Okay. So those are the two kind of common denominators you see in this space. Absolutely. And, and you've applied them, I assume, to your work with your own companies. No question about it. I think uh, managing the financial affairs of any business is 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 a job in itself. Right. When an entrepreneur has an idea, he has to be able to evaluate the cost of implementing that right. idea and the right. impact that it's going to have on his business. And that's where a good financial person comes in. Okay. Now, growing up, I know you told me that your dad was one of your heroes. Um, did you learn, how, I guess, any of this from him? Uh, I remember you told me... First met that he recommended this book, which I have here, uh, "The Richest Man in Babylon" by George Clayson, the success se- secrets of the ancients, the most inspiring book on wealth ever written. Yes, could you, you know, comment on you know what you learned from your dad and sure. how he inspired and 
taught you? Well, you're absolutely right. My dad was my hero. And, and most importantly, aside from loving him, I had tremendous respect for him. The way he, uh, he not only was successful in business, but also successful in his own personal life. And I, I think that he, he instilled upon me the importance of prudent financial management. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he, he taught me that money is not there to be squandered. It's there to be preserved. Wealth Mm -hmm. is there to be preserved. And, and again, good financial management does that. And, and, uh, when I was just 12 years old, he suggested that um, when I asked him some questions about why we weren't spending more money as a family, <laughs> uh-huh. he suggested I read The Richest Man in Babylon, and he said it was the greatest financial book ever written, and I have to agree with him. I would encourage everyone to read this book, and I, I think the message is let the money be a slave to you, not being, not you be a slave to making money. Right, right. Well, you know, as I read the book, you know, there are a couple— principles in there I, I was going to ask you about. One was uh, better a lit, little caution than a great regret. Absolutely. Well, so I, I think, again, good financial management comes with healthy professional skepticism yeah. about, um, you know, whether the idea is really going to work and what the financial impact of it's going to be. So that's what I was alluding to early. I think that's Right. That's what that message is. Yeah, sound underwriting, yes. I guess. And yes. then the second principle that applies, I think, is we cannot afford to be without adequate protection. Yes. So I guess that speaks to what collateral and insurance. It and, does. That's exactly right. In other words, it's, it's, it's like you wouldn't have a, a beautiful home without some protection around it. You might have a fence. You might have a security system. You might do other things to protect you know, to pr- protect your, your, your homestead. And the same thing is true in building a good business. You build a sound business and then you build some protection around it to uh-huh. keep it successful. Right. Right. And the last one, which I love is where the determination is the way can be found. Now your life, you know, to, to the average person looks like it's, everything's gone as planned. It's gone in a straight line. You've done very well for yourself but tell us, have there been moments of adversity when things didn't go the way they were and you had to try to use a little determination or perseverance to get through it? Absolutely. We all have challenges in our life, and certainly mine has been no exception. I've found uh, that life and, and business is a journey. It's a long-distance run, and you're going to run into obstacles, and it's really how you deal with those obstacles. Can and you give the, us a few examples and sure. stories? People love stories. Sure. They speak volumes. Well, first of all, you, you're when you leave college you're and you have a good educational background, you're not an entrepreneur. You're still <laughs> you're still trying to learn how to apply those educational principles successfully to be a good businessman. And then as you as you start a business entrepreneurially, you have capital challenges. You have mm-hmm. uh, people challenges. How mm-hmm. do you manage people? How do you grow your business? Marketing becomes right. very important. Right. These are all skills that you have to develop. They're not uh, necessarily God-given. So mm-hmm. that's where the determination comes in. You have to constantly thrive to mm-hmm. do your best. But I want to share with you, Michael, something that one of my initial clients taught me in the subprime auto finance business. He said, uh, 
Ken, if you just treat other people like you be like you would like to be treated yourself, mm-hmm. you'll find that you'll be successful. And I think that's some of the best advice I've ever received is treat other rule. people. Yeah, yeah. Treat every, other people fairly right. like you'd like to be treated yourself. Uh-huh. If you always remember that in business, I think you're going to be better off. Well, that's a really great kind of conclusion to this. And it's somewhat somewhat paradoxical because people have a, a, you know, a view of the used car dealer space as, you know, something to be less than be desired. I mean, do you think that's a fair characterization? You know, the, the symbolism that in people's minds of used car dealers, that they don't treat people the way they want to be treated. Is that fair or not? Certainly. I I think when I first started working with this space, I had that same perception, but my perception now is totally different over the last 18 to 19 years that I've been working with this industry, I found them to be some of the best people and the best business people I've ever worked with. Right. Sure. There's some bad apples in the barrel, but that's true in any industry. And I think the one good thing, or one of the good things that's going to come out of this compliance scrutiny right. that we have right now, it's causing us to focus more on the consumer uh-huh. and building a, a stronger bond with the consumer right. and treating people fairly right. and handling their complaints. And that's going to help us be more successful in the long term as we work our way through it. Yeah. So I, I think I think those relationships, all relationships are very important in business. Yeah, I think what you just said also applies to the collection industry at large, that it's got sort of an unfair uh, negative stigma associated with it. there are bad apples and there are some good things that the compliance um, initiatives that the government launched have achieved. Um, there is, and, and there'll be more coming. I think part of that is that the press tends to focus right. on the negative and yep. therefore sells, people sells, get that. Yeah, that the headlines sell. That's, yeah. that's exactly right. Uh, Ken, what are you reading these days? What's on your nightstand? Well, uh, it just takes so much effort just to keep up with what's going on in the subprime auto finance business that I have to read constantly all the automotive publications. I'm constantly on the internet looking at what's going on in the securitization market. Uh, I work with two investment research firms out of Wall Street, so I'm constantly talking with Wall Street firms about the industry, what's going on. So that keeps me very, very busy, and and uh, you know, it's it's hard really to keep up with it. There's so much information flowing out there right now, and of course. From a compliance standpoint, because of my role in the industry, right. I've got to keep up with all the regulatory and legal developments. So I'm constantly reading uh, about cases that have come up, about regulatory complaints, working with investigations. I do expert witness testimony, so I'm having to keep up with developments there. So there's no shortage of things to read, that's for sure. Okay. And, of course, your golf game, you still... My golf game has suffered definitely from, from all the, uh, all the stress, but I still enjoy getting out and playing Michael and it's a great, uh, a great release for me. And I, I really do enjoy it. Well, speaking of relationships and you're the master of many of them, you know, I've learned that golf is, is one of the, the channels for developing wonderful relationships. And I guess when I look back then on our time together this afternoon, I mean, some of the things I see here in terms of your, your common denominators of success, I've tried to connect the dots is that, you know, you've got to have sound financial management. You've got to, to know what you're getting into. You've got to have good protection. Uh, at the same time, Paul, part of that is the, the analytical data that you use to get there. Um, 
And then, of course, the relationships. And you've built that with NABD, you know, now 13,000 members. So it's relationships, you know, it's data, it's analytics, it's good collateral, uh, kind of sound business management, um, which in the end makes it more easy for you to adhere to your golden rule. You want to at the same time make money, but you also want to treat people the way you want to be treated. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful uh conclusion to our conversation this afternoon. Ken and I thank you for your time here in Atlanta. Are there any words or conclusions you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I'd just like to thank you, Michael, for the time today. I think this has been great and your summary was was spot on. I think the only other thing to add is that when you set up a plan and you implement it, you need to monitor it right. and you need right. to make sure that it's working the way you think it is. And that's where the analysis and the back testing and the validation and all the things that I learned as right. a financial person in the CPA become so important. So I encourage everybody, I hope everyone will be successful, build great relationships. And I want the auto finance business to continue to grow and, and, and buy here, pay here is extremely important in this country. I want to see it succeed. It provides transportation to millions of Americans who otherwise wouldn't had it, have it. We're car dependent. So I want to continue to help it succeed. Yeah, that's, that's critical. Our nation is car dependent. And certainly those folks in the subprime segment are, are very car dependent. And so I think actually what you're offering is also a form of public service. Well, we, we hope so. And we're trying to get the regulators to better understand the import uh, of this type of financing to, to millions of Americas. I think we're starting to get through. I really think we're making some progress. Well, thank you, Ken. And I really appreciate what you're doing for this industry. I think you've provided incredible thought leadership uh, and an integrity of a financial solution that seems to, it can work for the subprime markets, which uh, is, is wonderful. So I want to give you two invitations. One, we got to get that golf came in this year, and I want to lesson from you. You're a scratch golfer. Uh, And secondly, I want to invite you back, you know, six to 12 months to see if this inflection point, this bubble in auto finance actually hit and what our listeners in the future can do about it. Well, it'd be my pleasure to do both of those things, Michael. So thank you very much. And I I always enjoy visiting with you. And I, I want to say how important capital is to our industry and flock does a great job of providing it. So thank you for your support and partnership. Well, thank you for your partnership, Ken. Thank you. Good afternoon. Okay. Thank you. This show is brought to you by flock specialty finance to learn more. Please visit flockfinance.com.